hello. Welcome back to episode nine of the Comscure podcast, a weekly rundown of the latest communications, tech news, and trends. My name is Jason, and I'm your host. And today we have a lineup of exciting topics to cover over the 10 to 16 April 2023 timeframe. We'll be discussing a summary of the latest developments in tech and industry, from phones to AI and several highlights in cybersecurity. So if you have an Android phone, you might want to listen up. According to an article from Mirror.co, security experts have discovered a new threat that is targeting Android phones. McAfee Mobile Security has identified a malicious software library that can affect popular applications without the user's uh, consent. The contaminated app can be used by hackers to see your Wi-Fi history, check uh, what Bluetooth devices are connected to your phone, see what apps you're using, and even look at your GPS location. If you've installed one of the infected apps, a crook could know exactly where you have been. Furthermore, Android owners might be uh, making hackers money without even realizing it. This bug has a capability of performing ad fraud by clicking on rogue ag- advertisements in the background. This can slow down your device, causing it to become overworked and overloaded with data. It appears that millions of Android users may be affected with the infected apps and have been downloading millions of uh, have been downloaded millions of times. McAfee confirms that more than 60 applications containing this third-party malicious library with more than 100 million downloads have been discovered by their research team. Google has been notified of the issue and has taken prompt action by banning over 30 apps that were still found to contain the malicious software library. The U.S. tech giant has also informed the developers to fix their apps or face being banned from its app store. The issue is mainly targeted towards users in South Korea, and there's no reports of U.K. users being hit by the bug. However, this is still a reminder to all Android users, take care before installing new apps onto your devices. Always check the reviews and make sure that you trust the developer. And if you notice your phone's behavior change after an installation, it might be worth considering hitting that delete button. It's also not a good idea to download applications from those third-party providers as this software often doesn't go through the same rigorous checks made by Google's Play Store. Next up is a topic on everyone's mind. Will AI take over our jobs? Will it take our jobs? In a recent article from fastcompany.com, writer Danica Lowe explores the growing concern over the rise of generative AI and its impact on the job market. In a hot topic, (laughs) with uh, some tech executives even calling for a moratorium on the continued innovation in, uh, in the space, but as the saying goes, you can't stop progress, and businesses have been quick to integrate AI into industries ranging from content production to healthcare. As with any new technology, when AI arrives in, into a workplace, some automation in, inevitably follows. So what kind of uh, future are we looking at, or will the workers and the, the job market look at? Um, don't know. Are job losses inevitable or will new job sectors emerge that will spur job creation? Uh, we can take a look at what uh, experts are saying. So there's a Cliff Jerkowitz, uh, VP of Glo- Global Strategy at Phenom. They say that uh, for roles that can leverage the technology, there will be immense benefits. But 
not learning the skills to drive generative AI may be likened to a failure to embrace the personal computer versus sticking with man, uh, manual typewriter. At some point, this technology will become essential to one's work. According to data from LinkedIn, recruiters worldwide are seeing AI-related skills and workers are responding in kind. Year over year, over year some of the most popular skilled skills are added to LinkedIn member profiles in starting even in 2022, which include generative AI ad, ad, adjacent question, uh, answering is <laughs> some weird terms in here. Classification, uh, recommender systems, computer vision, and natural language processing. More than a hundred thousand LinkedIn jobs listings meant, uh, mention artificial intelligence in the description. So, what jobs will AI replace? Data entry, customer service, assembly line work, and content production are among the most cited jobs liable to be impacted by AI implementation. However, advances in AI will also continue to affect industries such as healthcare, banking, e-commerce, and retail. But it's not all bad news. While repetitive response tasks and roles may be easily replaced with AI in the next few years, advancements in technology come with a job, uh, such as job creation in new sectors, such as engineering. Using AI in certain industries, such as human resources and recruiting, can, can even come along with some surprise benefits. Not like they're already not already using it because that's how they're filtering all your uh, applications. But anyways, uh, such things such as impartiality, even though things are partial to the developer of the system. But OI, O-I-I dot A-I, CEO Bob Roberts says, I don't see it as AI replacing jobs. Rather, AI is taking over the mundane work. Just take the latest rage in AI, ChatGPT. It's it, it's a chatbot. But who actually wants to sit there and answer the same questions from computers over and over and over again? People who fear AI need to help under need need lots of help understanding AI. It's meant to enhance humanity. Look at some of the job reports that have said that they're at risk such as programmers, engineers, software builders, and even lawyers or doctor AI, doctors, AI can actually speed up their processes or even help them achieve higher levels of accuracy. So while AI may replace some jobs, it is not all doom and gloom. Adaptation, innovation, and creativity will be key in the coming years. And the rise of AI may even create new opportunities in job, se- in, in, in job sectors that uh, we haven't even thought of yet. Next up, we have an article about Warren Buffett and his recent comments about why, why Apple is the most successful company in the world. So in an interview with CNBC, Buffett said that uh, the iPhone is the most valuable product ever created. He believes that the loyalty that Apple has created for its iconic product is the key reason for its success. In fact, he thinks that people wouldn't part with their phones even for $10,000. So what makes the iPhone so valuable? Well, according to the article from Inc.com, it's because people enjoy using it and they want to be associated with the brand. The iPhone offers an experience that no other smart uh, smartphone can, can match. People just like the way it just works. Uh, sometimes it doesn't, but it's known for just working. And 
how it's just integrated with other Apple devices and services. So you can copy and paste and, and transfer information between devices. Moreover, people enjoy being part of the Apple community in the ecosystem. It's not just about using a device. It's about being part of a lifestyle choice. The article points out that if everyone you know uses an iPhone, there's no amount of money that will make you want to be part of the group of people who is not using an iPhone. This, this kind of loyalty is, is what every company should strive for. Imagine, just imagine, if every company aimed to create something that people enjoyed using and wanted to be associated with, something they, they, they wouldn't trade even for this $10,000 listed by Buffett. The fact that no, ma- no other company has figured out this uh, just as precisely as to why Apple is the most valuable company in the world. As, as someone who has been in the tech industry for, for several years, um, I can attest to the importance of creating products that people just love. And Apple's success story is proof that if you create something that people enjoy using and want to be associated with, you can achieve similar incredible success. Uh, Next up, uh, there are some of the latest announcements from Apple. So if you didn't know, they're planning to launch more than just just some of their uh, their new headset at this year's Worldwide Developers Conference, or WWDC. According to Bloomberg, the event will be one of Apple's biggest product launch events of the year ever. This mixed reality headset will be the star of the show. But there's, there is much more to look forward to. The conference will be packed with other products too, including a new Mac laptop and uh, the biggest update to the Apple Watch software since the, the, the first version was introduced in 2015. The updated versions of iOS and iPadOS aren't likely to offer uh, many new features, but they should satisfy the checklist of users' requests uh, with some minor improvements, tweaks, things to just make it better. I'm also not expecting major macOS or tvOS changes. The new Apple Watch operating system, however, will be able to bring bigger enhancements, including an updated interface. So now let's go back and talk about the main attraction, that reality headset. This is the first major new Apple product category in nearly a decade. And Apple is preparing for uh, a future beyond just the iPhone and iPad. The device will come with a clear story for developers in the terms of how they will want to use it and how much of the week-long conference uh, will showcase the headset on board, app, uh, app store, and accompanying tools. So many executives at the company believe that the device will have a slow start, but eventually it will have the opportunity to replace the iPhone. In any case, the headset is unlikely to go on sale for several months after its unveiling, giving developers time to create mixed reality apps and services. So moving on to the Mac, Apple has several new models in the works, including a 15-inch MacBook Air, an updated 13-inch MacBook Air, an entry-level 13-inch MacBook Pro, a refreshed 24-inch iMac, the 
the first Mac Pro with in-house chips, you know, the M2 chips, and updated high-end MacBook Pro models. Okay. Uh, all of these should go on sale either this year or early 2024. So at least some of the new laptops will be announced at WWDC. But there's a big caveat. The models coming in June probably won't boast the new M3 chips. Sad. But instead, they'll be running something in the line of the current M2 processors. Before Apple turned WWDC into a virtual event in the COVID era, some of the keynotes uh, had approached a length of two and a half hours. That's, that's long. But this year could mark a return to that kind of marathon presentation. So two and a half ain't nothing. Having a chock-full WWDC also rules out the idea of Apple holding additional launch events before June, which might be why they've been so quiet lately. Moreover, the WWDC announcements should set the stage for hardware releases coming later. The watchOS update will tell, the, tell you the most of what you need to know about the Apple Watch in 2023. That's because hardware changes are expected to be minimal, so the operating system upgrade will be the focus. Apple's iPad OS 17 will lay the software groundwork for revamped iPad Pro models uh, coming probably later this year with OLED displays. And perhaps most importantly, the headset is just the beginning of Apple's plans for mixed reality. The company is already working on two follow-up models. Okay, so they're, they're planning for the future, an updated high-end version that will offer more processing power and downscale product that should help make the technology more accessible to the ordinary consumer. The next article that we've got is about Google's Lambda, L-A-M-D-A. It's a language model that powers its AI chatbot, Bard. But before we dive in, let's discuss what a large language model is and, and how they work. So a large language model, kind of like ChatGPT, because it, it is, uh, or LLM, they're machine learning models that generate natural sounding text. They are the backbone of AI chatbots, such as the ChatGPT and Google Bard. However, not all LLMs are created equal. Google's Lambda stands out from the rest. So what exactly is Lambda? Well, developed entirely in-house at Google, Lambda is a language model for dialogue applications. It's designed to mimic human dialogue and generate human-like text. It can prioritize sensible and interesting replies instead of generic ones. According to a Google blog post, Lambda has been trained on human conversations and stories, allowing it to take various personas and sound more natural. Lambda's training took place in two stages, pre-training and fine-tuning. During the pre-training stage, Lambda was trained on a data set of 1.56 trillion words. While in the fine-tuning stage, it was further trained with human conversations. This has allowed it to improve its safety and factor uh, factual accuracy. So I won't be pointing out random facts, or at least hopefully less of them. In fact, Google hired human workers to fine-tune Lambda for safety and quality, although lots of those people have been let go. Uh, this will make it different from OpenAI's ChatGPT3, which didn't receive any human oversight or fine-tuning. So how does Lambda compare to ChatGPT3 and ChatGPT? Uh, Lambda can, ex can uh, assess 
the internet for the latest information, while both GPT-3 and GPT-4 have knowledge cutoff dates of September 2021. Lambda's training data set primarily comprised dialogue, while uh, GPT-3 used everything from Wikipedia entries to traditional books, making it more general-purposed and adaptable for applications like ChatGPT. Unfortunately, at the moment, you cannot talk to Lambda directly. Unlike GPT-3 and GPT-4, Google doesn't offer an API that you can interact with its language model. However, you can talk to BARD, which is built on top of Lambda. So a compromise. The only catch is that BARD has been sanitized and further fine-tuned to serve solely as a search companion. So next up, we're going to talk about something that many of uh, us iPhone users might uh, might overlook. If you are using Apple Photos, you're likely already backing up your photos to iCloud, but have you considered adding Google Photos to your routine? According to an article on TechRadar.com, Philip Byrne, Google Photos does a better job at everything. In this episode, we'll discuss why you need Google for your photos backup and what benefits it offers. Uh, so jumping right in, uh, he says that uh, if you're using one of Apple's best iPhones with Apple Photos, you likely agree that iCloud backup services are great, but he strongly recommends adding Google Photos to your routine if you want more than just a basic backup. He goes on to say that uh, wherever he sees an iPhone user looking through their photo gallery, he asks if they are backing up to Google Photos. Almost invariably, they haven't bothered, uh, even though most people have a Gmail account. Why, why should you use Google Photos along with Apple? Well, you may love your, photo, your iPhone, Mac, and iPad today, but you will never know how long your loyalty to Apple will last. And Photos... They need to last forever. If you rely entirely on Apple Photos, you are relying on a single platform that famously does not play well with others. And if you use Google, you know that your photos will be available no matter what machine you are using in the future. Uh, Byrne explains that if you're working within a web browser and not on the Photos app itself, Google Photo website uh, offers... Uh, include editing tools, while iCloud iCloud Photos doesn't let you adjust the image. On Google Photos, you have easy editing tools right within the browser window, no matter which platforms you're using. He also talks about how the best thing about digital photos is how portable they are. You can snap a photo and share it instantly with everyone that you like. With an iPhone, it can easily be made to share depending on how your audience wants to receive the photo. But if you'd like to organize and collaborate on a photo, Apple Photos is just too rudimentary, just too basic compared to what you can do with Google. So, yeah, how do you start synchronizing your iPhone with Google? Well, to start, go to the Apple app, go to the App Store, and search for Google Photos. Download the app. First time you open Google Photos, it'll ask you for access to your photo library. You need to allow access to all photos, and Google will work properly if you do it that way. The only other setting you need to do and turn on is sync favorites so that 
any fa- any photo that you grant a star in your Apple Photos will also be a favorite in Google Photos. Sounds simple, right? You can find this setting by tapping on your profile icon in the upper right corner of the Google Photo app and then choose Finish Setup. Fern concludes that by adding Google to your photo backup, you'll, be, you'll have better peace of mind in the long term, some easier sharing, and no matter what device you prefer, and even a more powerful editing tool at your, at your fingertips. Google's Image Search has uh, an app, has, also has an Apple uh, step over or improvement over, and that's in that you'll have no trouble finding all of your most important moments. So another option for you out there. Next up, we're going to discuss something that many of us have considered at one point or another, buying fake Apple products or knockoffs. Uh, a recent article on tomsguide.com caught, caught my attention uh, where the writer shares their experience of buying fake Apple products uh, on the Timu app. The writer, uh, Kate Kozuch, uh, bought four different items from Timu that looked like they belong on a shelf at the Apple store. So they look legit. She bought a clear MagSafe 14 for, uh, phone case, wireless headphones and uh, with a charging case, a smartwatch, and a fake Apple Watch Ultra. Hmm. The first product that uh, Kate bought was the clear MagSafe iPhone 14 case. The Timu case uh, featured cutouts for the speakers and a charging point, uh, charging port, and the MagSafe icon was printed uh, onto the back of the case. She also noticed that the individual magnets were visible. Although the case seemed protective enough, it, it was not. It was the worst thing you could buy for a mere 98 cents. The second product that Kate bought was a wireless headphones uh, with a charging case. The product looked like it, it could have been sold by Apple and seemed to be inspired by the Apple AirPods 3. So she paired the fake AirPods to her iPhone, and although it was simple enough, she did get a notification that her phone could not verify that they were true AirPods. The audio quality was terrible and didn't stand a chance against any of the best wireless earbuds. The third product that was bought was a smartwatch, and although some budget smartwatch companies have borrowed design and inspiration from Apple Watch and their iconic squircle, uh, design. Kate hadn't seen a, a, tr- a true knockoff until she bought this smart watch from Timu. The watch uh, it had uh, presets, uh, a preset watch face that mimics the actual watch OS. Nine faces for the Apple Watch, and Kate didn't struggle to navigate the watch as much as she thought she would. So okay, uh, the the last product that uh, Kate bought was the Timu sourced Ultra smartwatch. At a quick glance. You could mistake it for the rugged Apple Watch Ultra, but it doesn't take a detective to see that this device is nothing more than a shoddy attempt. Getting the orange silicone straps on, it was just a struggle, and the display was pretty laggy and practically unusable. Erratically switching screens and watch faces. Uh, After her experience, Kate cannot recommend buying fake Apple products from Timu. So just don't. Okay, guys? Just don't. You can get the replacements from Bus Buy or, or even uh, any other store, you know, brick and mortar store like Target or Walmart. But Timu, just 
don't. Not saying they don't have good stuff in other care areas, but for Apple-like products, no. Uh, and there are some excellent budget brands out there in, in these categories that excel at de- delivering import features at a fraction of the cost. However, that's not to say that you shouldn't buy anything from Timu. Uh, Kate did spend 50 bucks for, for some random items with no regrets, mainly probably some clothes or some other cheap things or, or simple things. But the knockoff products came with few redeeming features and lots of just worry when it came to pairing them with her smartphone. Uh, there is no reason, just no reason to do that. All right, next up, there is a new ChatGPT iPhone shortcut that is uh, kind of a game changer. Uh, it's this ChatGPT, that artificial intelligence language model that we mentioned earlier, is revolutionizing pretty much everything. And this new iPhone shortcut takes it to a whole new level. The shortcut is called SGPT, and it was created by Federico Vitici. And uh, listed on this article from uh, Mac Stories, uh, it bridges ChatGPT with native system features of iOS, iPadOS, macOS, and watchOS. The best part, it's free for everyone, but you need to have an OpenAI account with a pay-as-you-go billing plan to use it. So what can the shortcut do? Well... Let's uh, let's ask ChatGPT some questions from the input box on your iPhone, iPad, or Mac. And the answer, they're returned to you by ChatGPT and displayed in an alert on your device. And the possibilities are endless. For example, if you share a web page with SGPT, it'll try to summarize it for you. And if you ask SGPT to do anything with text in the clipboard, ChatGPT will process the contents of your system clipboard. It can even look at your upcoming schedule and tell you which days you are too busy with the help of ChatGPT. But that's not all. SGPT can also use Apple's live image in your photo library. And if ChatGPT returns web URLs as part of its responses, SGPT will offer you the ability to open these links in Safari as tabs. Okay. And the biggest feature of them all is SGPT makes a playlist in Apple's music app for any list of songs returned by ChatGPT. To start using this iPhone ChatGPT shortcut, users just need to install it and provide their own API key. And the cost is just minimal. It's very, very low as it uses the new ChatGPT uh, API, which is very just cost efficient. Next up, we all know that Samsung products Samsung products are some of the best smartphones on the market, but did you know that their latest model, the Galaxy S23 Ultra, Ultra, could be the ultimate gaming machine? Yes, you heard that right. According to an article on AndroidAuthority.com by Adam Burney, uh, when you pair the Galaxy S23 Ultra with the Samsung DeX, it can become a portable gaming console that just fits in your pocket. So before diving into details, let me let me tell you a little something something about the Galaxy S23 Ultra. The article mentions that this device is powered by Qualcomm Snapdragon 8 Gen 2 processor. And this 
this processor is made for gaming and, and provides some of the fastest CPU and GPU clock speeds than any of its predecessors. As a result, it can fly through the latest and greatest mobile games. Now, we want to talk about Samsung DeX. According to the article, DeX has been around for a long time, allowing users to turn their Samsung phones into a desktop uh, experience without a monitor. You can also get this on their tablets as well. But one thing that many people don't know about it is that it can be used for gaming. All you need is an HDMI to USB cable and a wireless controller, and you're off to the races. Bernie uh, recommends using a wired connection instead of a wireless one to reduce screen-to-screen latency. And additionally, instead of a cable, you can use an, an adapter with an Ethernet port to eliminate latency from the wireless network if, uh, if you don't have a fast Wi-Fi router. The, uh, the author also recommends using the Agon Pro, a QHD mini LED gaming monitor, which is used for the testing. However, you don't need the highest spec gaming monitor to enjoy playing games off your phone. So let's talk about the gaming experience, shall we? According to the article, Samsung DeX, it excels in the gaming department, supporting native Android gaming, cloud gaming, and emulation with robust performance. It can run the popular titles like Call of Duty Mobile with ease, and it also works well with cloud gaming service such as Xbox Game Pass, which lets you stream full-fledged console games. The Galaxy S23 Ultra is also an incredible and powerful gaming emulator. Most games from previous generation consoles, just handheld or not, are no problem for the Snapdragon Gen 2 processor. Games on a games on a Game Boy Advanced emulator with a and a PlayStation 1 emulator ran just without issues. Meanwhile, the Dolphin emulator, a GameCube and Wi-Fi emulator worked exceptionally well running games like Super Mario Sunshine and Simpsons Hit and Run. Running good, y'all. The article also mentions that the audio quality when using the phone speakers is surprisingly good. The Galaxy S23 Ultra is one of the loudest phones with excellent volume from the down-firing speakers with no distortion, even at the highest setting. So to sum up, the Galaxy S23 Ultra with Samsung DeX offers you a robust, versatile experience that, that just caters to the user's various needs. It can be used for work and productivity, gaming and media consumption. If you have a Galaxy S23 Ultra, just do yourself a favor and pick up a cable or an adapter and a controller and just hook up your monitor and have some fun with your phone for an excellent gaming experience. Next up, we've got uh, a note that Google has uh, more plans for improving their search engine. According to a recent report from the New York Times, Google is gearing up to release a project Magi, M-A-G-I, which will bring generative AI to Google search. This uh, product uh, project will allow users to ask follow-up questions and offer a more personalized experience than what the, the company currently offers. So it's stepping its game up. It will also feature ads, of course, under gener- generated results. Magi will be released in two stages, with the initial launch set to be significantly gated to the United States and limited to a maximum of 1 million users before increasing to 30 million uh, by year's end. 
that Google is currently having 160 designers, engineers, and executives working full-time on Magi with employees invited to test and, and query the systems as of last week. The report states that Magi will allow Google Search to answer questions about software coding and even write code based on users' requests. This is made possible through Google's technology. Palm, P-A-L-M, that's the name of their technology. Sorry. Google has also reportedly learned in March that Samsung is considering replacing Google with Microsoft's Bing as the result of search en- uh, as its default search engine on its devices, including Android phones and tablets. Google believes that Bing's AI features are why Samsung might be interested in making that switch. Well, an estimated $3 billion in annual revenue is at stake with the Samsung contract, uh, with the additional $20 billion tied to a similar Apple contract that will be up for renewal, renewal this year. Google is countering with the pitch uh, uh, with a pitch of its own to Samsung with these new updates. Overall, it's interesting to see how AI is becoming more integrated and how the money is flowing to determine who can do what. Also, uh, another thing from Google talking about their upcoming wave of AI chat bots, according to a report from the New York Times, the so-called Magi product also includes a revamped search concept, uh, language teaching program, and more. But this product features fully featured conversational chatbots that work for search that could include the insertion between answers. It also has a context-aware browsing assistant housed in a Chrome extension and image generation engine based on Google image search and a conversation-driven language learning medium. The product project uh, has a slow rollout, uh, as mentioned, starting in the United States, and that 30 million users is expected by 2023. The search chatbot co- component of Magi does not have a release schedule. Early stage generative AI is still prone to influence by dis- disinformation and misinformation, which is why Google has been looking for volunteers within the company to test out those features as mentioned, as of last week. Next, we've got a rumor about upcoming Samsung Galaxy S24 rollout phones, and uh, it's regarding its camera setup. According to Android Central, the S24 may ditch one of its cameras for something better. In recent years, the Galaxy Ultra lineup has featured four rear camera sensors, but according to a rumor by leaker Ice Universe on Weibo, the 3X telephoto sensor may not be present in the S24 Ultra, which could bring its camera setup down to three sensors. So this would be a departure from the Ultra lineup, which has featured a 3X telephoto camera in recent years, and in addition to a 10X periscope lens. Instead of offering the 3X telephoto, the zoom level may have just been merged into a periscope lens, according to the ICE universe. It's not entirely clear what this means, but it is likely to indicate that Samsung is pulling a Sony and may have the Galaxy S24 Ultra on a continuous zoom lens, a la the Xperia 1 4. Uh, That device offers continuous zoom for 
from roughly 3.5 to 5.2, uh, which is impressive to achieve that kind of optical zoom without two separate camera sensors. Samsung could potentially opt to use their new sensor launched by the LG Innotech late last year. Uh, that sensor can achieve continuous optical zoom between 4x and 9x, which is slightly shorter than the 3x to 10x jump Samsung currently offers with its two separate sensors. This isn't the first time we've heard that Samsung could change the Galaxy S24 Ultra's telephoto, telephoto sensor, although details were scarce and admittedly still are. Regardless, we're kind of curious to see what uh, zoom improvements Samsung can bring to its next premium flagship. Other rumors in the S24 series include higher refresh rate uh, displays and a bump in RAM for the smaller models. That said, it's still pretty early as the Galaxy S23 series was just launched a couple of months ago. But for now, we can take everything with a grain of salt, but we're likely to hear a lot more about Samsung's plans for the S24 series as the year progresses. All right, next, there's a recent software update from Samsung that aims to solve some critical issues that users may have been facing. If you are a Samsung user and have been experiencing just terrible, terrible battery life lately, then you're not alone. Thankfully, Samsung has found the root cause of the problem and has released a fix for it, according to PocketLint.com. The problem has been traced back to the Samsung keyboard app, which has been using too many resources. What? Causing the battery to drain faster than usual. The problem has affected many Samsung devices, including the Galaxy S21, S22, Z Fold 4, and other variants, and it seems to have started happening after installing One UI 5.1 and that update. Samsung acknowledged that the issue, and uh, they stated that the battery drain was due to some additional qualifying processes uh, related to stickers and emojis. Uh, the solution to the problem comes in the form of an update It'll be in version 5.6.10.31. And yeah, it's been released and it fixes that battery drain issue. If you already have the latest version installed, you're good to go. However, if you haven't updated yet, it is highly recommended that you should do so soon, especially if you're experiencing poor battery life. The update is available in the Galaxy Store and if you have automatic updates enabled, you've probably already received it. If you're still having issues with your battery life after the update, be sure to contact Samsung for some assistance. It's not unusual for software updates to introduce new bugs, uh, but it's good to see that Samsung acknowledged the previous ones and they've been working to fix it promptly. Hmm. So, as we know, there are different versions of Android currently in use so separate from just the samsung iteration of it um, and despite google's efforts to improve and speed up their updates cycle there are still many different versions of android in use android has come a long way from its early days but even older versions are still being used and not all devices are running androids uh, on their phones according to android studio uh, via nine to five google android 13 has only a 12.1% distribution across active Android versions, despite more and more Android phones launching with it. 
It seems like Samsung has done a good job of updating its massive lineup of smartphones over the past several months. However, Android 13's distribution is still below Android 12's, who's sitting at 16.5%, or Android 10 is at 18.5%, or even Android 11, which currently holds the largest share of the pie with 23.5%. Sheesh. Nevertheless, Android 13's distribution has doubled in the last three months, showing that it's growing fast. As for the older versions, they are still in use, as shown from the previous listing. And although all not all devices are running Android, our phones, it, it is likely that many of these older devices are no longer supported. But things are starting to change with uh, companies like Samsung, OnePlus, and Xiaomi and others extending their support, uh, their promises to update their phones through multiple OS versions and several years of software updates. Even Motorola, which still tends to fall behind the pack, has started uh, getting better at offering uh, longer software support. The question for you is, which version of Android is your phone currently on? Next up is to cover the Asus ROG Phone 7 Ultimate. This is the latest addition to the Asus gaming phone series. And this phone was launched just a few days ago with a, a starting price of $1,000. It comes packed with features, features that are tailored specifically to mobile gamers. The Asus ROG game, uh, Asus Republic of Gamers Phone 7 Ultimate keeps many of the designs, aesthetic, and personality of the last year's Asus ROG Phone 6 Pro, including LED indicators on the back, a 6,000 milliamp battery that can easily last two days, and a highly responsive touchscreen with a 720 hertz uh, touch sampling rate. However, it's on the inside where the most significant changes have been made, including an upgraded Qualcomm Snapdragon 8 Gen 2 chip, and new software features for customizing gameplay. One of the unique features of the phone is its hidden door on the back, dubbed the Aero Active Portal. It opens up when you attach the inclusive Aero Active Cooler 7 fan. Uh, this door helps blow cool air directly onto the phone and keeps it from overheating during longer gaming sessions. The phone also has a background mode that allows users to set up an automatic task in any game and have it run while using the phone for anything else. However, the phone still prioritizes gaming over other features that typically get the spotlight in this price range. The Asus phone is, it, it's just a tall, um, partly because of its front facing camera is placed with a above the bezel for that 6.7 inch a a AMOLED screen instead of within the display cutout like many other Android phones. Uh, the phone, it feels heavy coming in at 239 grams compared to the similarly sized 196 gram Galaxy S23 Plus. The, uh, the Asus ROG Phone 7 Ultimate has a 50 megapixel main camera, a 13 megapixel ultra wide camera, and an 8 megapixel macro camera. Photos from the phone, it, it kind of lacks some detail. 
especially compared to images from a similarly priced Galaxy S23 phone or iPhone 14 Pro Max. But the phone is tailored for mobile phones, uh, gamers who want to tweak Android games while playing, playing them on their highest graphic settings. So it's a gamer phone. So not known for the pictures. New additions like the phone's new Snapdragon chip, controller options, and upgraded cooling systems further refine that, that uh, experience while providing a sharp refresh rate with uh, fast speeds that benefit non-gamers, just like apps and reading. Overall, the Asus ROG Phone 7 Ultimate is just packed with features and customizations for gamers that put specs above all else. However, for those looking for a phone with better cameras and slimmer body, a phone like that Galaxy S23 or iPhone 14 might be a better fit. Nevertheless, that Asus ROG Phone 7 Ultimate has a very good software experience achieving a nice balance between being a gaming device and a mobile phone. Next up, a noteworthy article that we have is from uh, from the, the, the annals of looking into hacking ChatGPT. So according to a research, recent Wired article by Matt Burgess, uh, security researchers are jailbreaking the large language model uh, to get around the safety rules. Jailbreaking involves designing prompts that make the chatbot bypass rules around the producing things like hateful speech or writing about illegal acts. Meanwhile, prompt injection attacks can quietly insert malicious data or instructions into the AI models. <clears throat> so the attacks are essentially a form of hacking using carefully crafted or refined sentences to exploit the system weaknesses. Uh, while the attack types are largely being used to get around content filters, security researchers warn that the rush to roll out generative AI systems uh, opens up the possibility of data being stolen by cyber criminals causing havoc across the web. One security researcher, Alex Polyakov, has created a universal jailbreak that works against multiple large language models, including GPT-4, Microsoft's Bing chat system, Google's Bard, and Anthropic's Claude. The jailbreak can trick the system into generating detailed instructions on creating meth and how to hotwire a car. Wow. Um, the stakes for, for jailbreaks and, and prompt injection attacks will become more severe as they're given access to critical data, warns Avrind Narayan, a professor of computer science at Princeton University. Uh, as generative AI systems become more powerful, there is a security issue. However, generative AI systems are, are on the edge of disrupt disrupting the economy and the way people work, from practiced law to creating startup gold uh, to creating a, a semi-startup gold rush. Those creating the technology are aware of the risks that jailbreaks and prompt injections could pose as more people gain access to the systems. Most companies using red teaming um, are, are able to find out where the group of attackers are trying to poke holes in the system before it's released. Generative AI development uses a similar approach, but it just may not be enough. We'll see. There are some, su there are some suggestions to deal with the, pro uh, the problems at scale, 
which avoid the whack-a-mole approach of finding existing problems and then fixing them. One way is to use a second LLM to analyze LLM problems and reject any that could indicate a jailbreaking or prompt injection attack. Another way is to clearly separate the system prompt from the user prompt. As technology advances, we need to be more aware of the security risks and take as many measures as possible to prevent cyber criminals from exploiting these vulnerabilities. All right, next up, there's a concerning uh, draft treaty that could have severe implications for the cryptocurrency industry. According to Coindesk, the United Nations is currently in the process of negotiating a new international treaty on cybercrime. And that latest draft includes language that could impose invasive surveillance requirements on cryptocurrency, threatening financial privacy worldwide. Article 93 of the draft treaty would mandate that all nations that sign sign it to implement onerous financial surveillance laws for cryptocurrency. The language is just so broad, they could be interpreted to include software developers, miners, validators, nodes, and non-fungible token trading platforms, NFT for non-fungible tokens, and even users, as well as traditional finance institutions. Under this provision, these organizations would be required, required to implement these intrusive mass surveillance systems and turn over their users' sensitive financial information to the government automatically. Furthermore, they would need to collect identity information for all users engaging in the transactions, maintaining that sensitive data so that it can be handed over to the government, monitor for suspicious activities, and automatically report certain transactions to the government. In addition, when any person is suspected of possible involvement in a cybercrime, these organizations would have to give that uh, give it to the government, not only the financial records of the suspect, but also the financial records of the suspect's associates and family members, which is massively overreaching for blockchain uh, and its network that participates um, its participants and like developers, such as miners, compliance with this provision is not only onerous, but also in many cases just outright impossible. Software developers have no idea who the end users of their software may be, and cryptocurrency miners and validators have no way of knowing the identity of all the people whose transactions they are facilitating. While protecting against cybercrime is a noble goal, laws designed to enhance police powers in the name of Crime prevention can often lead to civil liberty violations. So many leaders from civ uh, civil societies are taking part in negotiations and working to make sure that the treaty respects human rights. We urge all those participating in the negotiations to push back against Article 93's sweeping financial surveillance requirements to defend privacy for finances worldwide. A new malware has been discovered on the popular chat, uh, chatting platform Discord. Cybersecurity researchers have found a new malware that's called VAR, V-A-R-E, that uses Discord's infrastructure as its backbone for its operations. This malware is linked to a new group called Kurdistan 4455, based out of uh, southern Turkey, and 
it's still early in its forming stage, but the cybersecurity firm don't, uh, contacted Discord and their support team on the different ways attackers are misusing Discord's features and the new malware group. However, despite numerous attempts, they did not get a definitive response from Discord concerning how they're handling these people. The malware group, Kurdistan4455, has adopted past methods for their own benefit targeting other malware groups instead of users, reaping their, uh, reaping their success with minimal effort. Bear is a malware written in Python, and it's an info stealer that uses Discord both as a data exfiltration infrastructure and a target to steal from. The security, re- security researchers have scanned and analyzed 2,390 of GitHub's public repositories related to Discord malware. They found that 44.5% of repositories are written in Python and are standalone malware. About 20.5% of the repositories, which are the second most popular, are uh, written in JavaScript and mainly taken the approach of just injecting into Discord. This malware is just a perfect way uh, and a perfect case of how publicly available repositories are being used to arm uh, cybercrime groups and how attackers can leverage Discord's infrastructure maliciously. With Discord being such a popular platform among corporate developers, these developers, uh, they just could potentially put their organizations at risk if the malware is able to infect their endpoints. So bottom line, if you are a developer using Discord, please be cautious of uh, opening unsolicited messages or links as it could lead to an information breach. Also, it's very important for Discard to take prompt action against such malicious activities to ensure safer user experiences. Next up, uh, we've talked about it a lot, but with that emergence of uh, ChatGPT and its significance, um, there's an article from Forbes about AI-generated phishing content, which is presenting unique social risks that thwart technical defenses. Machines... They're now capable. They're just now capable of sounding human. And as that result, it is requiring more complex forms of user authentication. For instance, organizations may set a secret passphrase or word of the day to identify themselves or to other entities or individuals. Confirmation via phone call will likely be a go-to method for verifying these types of emails or messages. However, AI technologies are evolving and authentication methods uh, methods will also have to evolve. Moreover, I'm just going to say legitimate use of AI language tools will complicate security responses, making it more difficult to identify criminal instances. Security vendors may have to develop a confidence score or other indicators that rate the likelihood that a message or email is AI generated. Similarly, vendors may train AI models to detect AI-generated texts and add a warning banner to user-facing systems. But no matter, no matter the response, these solutions can only express risk as a degree of confidence. It will ultimately be up to the end user to heed or ignore the security warning. Finally, AI-generated scams will become more interactive in the future with criminals potentially using this technology to scam individuals via real-time chat. Messenger applications like WhatsApp, Signal, and Telegram are end-to-end encrypted, making it difficult to filter 
fraudulent or AI-generated messages in private channels. Companies may need to reconfigure their security solutions and filtering technologies may be necessary on individual employees' devices. Overall, in the age of ChatGPT, it's becoming harder to know what's real, and future AI developments will make it even more difficult. Organizations will just need to reassess the role of the end-user security training in protecting against social engineering threats and technologies that will be primary as they are the first line of defense against AI-powered cybercrime. Well, this is the end of the Comscare podcast for today, and sharing all of this great news with all of you has been a pleasure. And I'm looking forward to taking to talking about uh, more of these upcoming forms of news and in the upcoming episodes. In order to ensure that you never miss an episode, please make sure that you subscribe subscribe to the Comscare podcast on your preferred podcast player of choice. And always feel free to visit comsgear.com to learn about us. I appreciate you tuning in and uh, look forward to seeing you in the following show.